0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast. The combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Bloody Elbow Podcasts are proud to be sponsored by Revgear. They've been a pioneer in the industry and have grown into a formidable brand and true leader in the MMA gear market. Bloody Elbow listeners get 20% off. Go to Revgear.com slash Bloody Elbow email sign up. Welcome back and thank you for listening to episode 268 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to talk about UFC 295, and we're going to look back at the absolute mess that was UFC Sao Paulo, and we might even get into some headlines. Of course, we're going to get into some headlines, but anyways, Victor,
2: what's going on? Very long weekend, a lot of stuff to do, and wow, we've got a uh, pretty, pretty eventful event. Uh, We certainly do. That observation brought to you by the Department of Redundancy Department. That was uh, this. This is this card's looking nice, man. It's looking pretty good. Yeah. uh, Other than that, just being a dad, man. the, The holiday crunch is upon us. Uh, we just had Halloween, and my neighbor around the corner already has her Christmas stuff up. Didn't even want to make the pit stop through Thanksgiving. Maybe they're vegans. I don't know. I, I it, That just seemed very, very odd to me. So the weird part of the year is here, y'all.
1: Yeah, it's definitely mm. here for sure. All right. So Let's take a look back at the absolute snakebitten card that was UFC Sao Paulo. And for those of you out there that may have overlooked this card, you did that rightfully so. Um, and the reason why we're calling it so very snakebitten is because in 36 hours, and it would be the 36 hours directly before the event as a matter of fact, you could go midway into the event and work 36 hours back from there. Not from the beginning, not from before, midway through. And I'll explain that in a second. But the first two came about and boy, this card was just wrecked. We lost, um, let me see, uh, uh, we wa- lost the Theme. Bonfim- vince pichelle fight because bonfim weighed in uh close to three pounds over and vince pichelle says you know what nah not having it
2: and it good for him good
1: for him exactly i mean the man is 40 so i wouldn't want one of those big bonfimes coming in there and working me over it either
2: uh, it ain't even it's just, just the principle of the thing too you know exactly. what i mean like yeah
1: And then, by the way, remember how I said Nicholas Dalby would um, stomp Gabriel Bonfim? He did. He did. he knocked him out. He stomped him, just like I said he would.
2: (laughs) Rough going early, but man, that dude is... I'm just... I can't help it, man. I see an older guy who's previously been in the UFC, for whatever reason it doesn't work out, and then he comes back and he's got the fucking superpower... You got to respect it, man. I love seeing that happen. So sorry to that other man, but um, my man, Nico, good shit.
1: Yeah. So we also had a fight on the card, Daniel Marcus versus Victor Hugo. And I looked at Victor Hugo and I kept thinking, I wonder if he's related to, to the author,
2: but of course not. <laughs> no, of course not. I, but I mean, still,
1: you know, it went through my head. Okay, that's an unusual name. But anyway, we—you
2: gotta get used to. You gotta get used to something in Latin America. We, the, the, our countries, love naming people after authors. That the kids that are eventually named after said authors never fucking read. <laughs> so between that and like uh, Roman or Greek uh, uh, figures of history, yeah. That's that's something. Get used to that.
1: <laughs> so we lost Victor Hugo's fight with Daniel Marcos right after weigh-ins because Victor Hugo missed weight, uh, apparently significantly. And so that fight canceled. And then midway, right as we're getting into the um, main card, Rodolfo Vieira versus Armin Petrosian falls off because... Petrosian had some sort of illness. Elvez Brenner was supposed to fight Esteban Ribovich, but he ended up fighting um, uh, a guy named Kanan Krushuski. And okay, he scored knockout of the night. Okay, because of that very, very, very last-minute replacement, because Ribovich re- uh, withdrew from the fight for. Nobody knows why it's not listed here. And typically topology is all over that. Um, But if you look at all the canceled fights, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine of them. This thing has been ravaged from the start because it wasn't even supposed to be Derek Lewis versus Gilton Almeida. It was supposed Mm -mm. to be Curtis Blades. Mm hmm. Even Kayo Bahadio, his opponent changed. He was supposed to fight a guy named R- Ruzuboev and he ended up fighting Nurselton. Uh, I mean, um, he was supposed to fight Nurselton Ruzuboev and he ended up fighting uh, Abus Magomedov. And Abus got his—he got to be getting embarrassed at this point.
2: Yeah, he kicked him in his caboose.
1: Exactly. So, anyways, let's let's take a look at the <clears throat> top fight on the card, which was Gilton Almeida versus Derek Lewis. And it was the worst main event of the entire year, without a doubt. You
2: sure? I, oh, God, yes. I, I, I merely God. ask because we see so many shit fights on the regular. I'm curious, like, wait, ha, that, I'm pretty sure we've seen worse than this in a main event.
1: No, I not feel this like year. we may have. Not this year. <clears throat>
2: i mean it's late in the year deep pocket you know (laughs) we got plenty to choose from
1: we still have you know two months uh, almost two months to go so we could be seeing some shit
2: oh yeah but
1: i'm pretty sure up to this point this main event is about as suckitude as it gets i mean it was literally gilton almeida fighting him down to the floor and laying on him and Derek Lewis fighting his way back to his feet and being allowed to stay on his feet long enough to take two deep breaths before he's back on the floor again. And it rinse, repeat. It was awful. And Mm -hmm. that is no disrespect to Gilton Almeida. That's basically the way to beat Derek Lewis. Because he's a big, strong guy that I mean, he's most famous for just standing up, which he did several times. He could not stay upright, though. Victor, let me hear your take on this.
2: I, I viewed this slightly differently. And it's the fact that Gylton showed it, I it's it, someone of his level, someone who's had an ascent uh, uh, such as his. It's a little embarrassing. You know, you got a guy, Derek Lewis, hard to take down, but he gets him down. Right. But then what does he do when he's there? He goes for a bunch of submission attempts to not maybe perhaps gas himself out striking, you know, hitting him while he's down. But then he still kind of gasses himself out. The submissions don't click. He's not hitting him. Derek is just kind of laying there. Jelton's just kind of breathing on him. Like it was it was that level of inactivity. You know, Jelton was just doing enough movement for this to not warrant a stand up. Yet it still was incredibly hollow. And there were just these moments of like, oh, shit, Derek is getting up with a little more frequency. What's he going to do? That never really turned into anything else. It never was led to the completion of a a really dramatic sequence where Derek was able to equalize things or uh, show a major threat. I mean, he he got some shots in, but uh, yeah, I, I... look congratulations to almeida for the win but it was not an impressive one
1: not at all um did he call out cyril Gon? i kind of like the call out though um i i'm pretty sure he did i was sort of like half paying attention to the um post-fight interview and i'm pretty sure he called out cyril Gon, and i I think that's a good call out. I'm glad he didn't call out the, you know, um, the John Jones or whoever's going to be fighting for the um the the belt. But um, right because the, no that's right it's going to be interim right this is going to be for the interim belt. this
2: is an interim title right yeah. so
1: I mean I'm glad he didn't call for that is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking Cyril gone is right up his his alley. It, it, it'll be a good test. And if he can't get past Cyril Gone, then he's got a lot of work to do.
2: Yeah, it, divisionally, it makes sense. And then on top of that, you want to talk about somebody else that he could very, very well out grapple? For yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, sure. I know Jalton was watching that John Jones fight going like, I could do that. Yeah, And he can, and he probably will. Because my God, for all the goodwill that uh, that gone had earned rightfully so in his uh, move up the ranks holy shit man that that one performance that one bed shitting was so epic uh, <laughs> that you can really look into that and say yeah my man's in trouble
1: yeah now with gilton his cardio is clearly an issue and his striking i know that he they're heavyweights and any strike can count but i would like to see him work on his a little more and I would like to see him get his cardio under control too because a lot of that laying on and preying on was him catching his wind yeah so yeah that's a that's an issue because you know what I don't see that huffing and puffing from Tom Aspinall and I certainly don't see it from Sergey Pavlovich either
2: I don't see that from Spivak. I don't see that from a few of the top heavyweights, but this fight, man, I'm just happy to, and I I say this purely as, as a, um, you know, when, when, when something happens and you feel a little weird for bringing it up, but then you start seeing other people say it and you're like, okay, we are a group of weirdos, but I'm glad that I'm not the only one. The hashtag abolish heavyweight movement. I, I like when it I like when it surfaces. Look, do I mean it? Do I really want heavyweight to go away? No. But if you told me that we got to get rid of one division and oh, it's either yes. that, either that or men's flyweight, like, bitch, please, no, no, this is not. And this is also on the UFC in a way. We we're not gonna let them just just skate on this. They had to have an idea. They probably imagined that this was gonna be a strike fest, buddy. I understand. I say this all the time. Not every fight's going to be fireworks. Not every main event is going to be super, you know, worthy of your time and money. That's just, that's sports. That's life. That happens. You, it, disappointment is included. It's baked into the package. But, ooh, buddy, you can't look at that and be like, yes, this was next. You know, this was the highest, the pinnacle of MMA, which is, which is what you expect from UFC branding, right? That's what they they ostensibly want to market to you. As they siphon all this fucking money that you they, they decide you need to throw at them to continue to be a fan on a consistent basis, and then you get this. So, you know, yeah.
1: Well, now that you mentioned Flyweight, I do want to throw something external in here real quick before I forget it, before it slips my mind. Over the weekend, in Octagon MMA, a new Flyweight champion was born. And his name is Elias Garcia. And what's special about Elias Garcia winning the Octagon MMA flyweight title is that he is related. He is the first cousin of Anthony and Sergio Pettis. Oh. That family is built to wear belts.
2: Hmm. Okay okay yeah. interesting yeah not bad not bad let's see how it goes for him I, you know he beat I'm,
1: Aaron Abby <laughs> by doctor stoppage at the end of round two the kid is good mm. so i just want to shine some some light on this guy because that's impressive to me so
2: that that sounds good i, I gotta hunt that down i gotta see what's going on there yeah,
1: yeah. all right so Enough about Jailton Almeida and Derek Lewis.
2: Yes, yes, please. Enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and enough about Nicholas Dolby doing exactly what I said he was going to do, and he took away Gabriel Bonfim, Superior Bonfim's. Oh, he took it and gave him a one. So now Gabriel Bonfim is fifteen and one. Um, Rodrigo Nascimento. Yeah, you know, he decisioned Dante <laughs> Omaze. And was anybody surprised by that?
2: High level heavyweight MMA. Oh, God, I hate <laughs> it
1: so much. And Why? you know what's funny is Rodrigo Nascimento, it, he just climbed to 11 and one. I didn't realize that his only loss was to, of all people, Chris I,
2: but Again, I asked this before the fight, I'm pretty sure I asked this on Twitter. I definitely asked it when we did the staff picks, and I might have done so last week on the episode. Why is this fight even happening?
1: I mean, they, they already fought. did it. They already fought once. Why did we? Need- yes. And and the thing is, is there was no question in the first fight. In the first fight, he choked him out. It was a rear naked choke win. So why did we need to see a rematch?
2: I I don't. I they there nobody else was available. I guess this was just – it probably just made sense from a scheduling standpoint. I don't – it it also played out well that – you got a Brazilian winning on home soil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that that's what they had wanted, but of I mean, it certainly factors into their decisions in terms of like, hey, if this happens, good. If Mays had won, uh, would what really would have happened there? Nascimento, no disrespect to him, but he's not exactly a known commodity or a major player in heavyweight right now. I mean, so his what biggest are we doing?
1: win is probably Tanner Bozer.
2: And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's just not, that still doesn't, you know, he's just not up there enough, nor in the consciousness of fans who would agree where you'd be like, yo, you catch that, you catch that Nascimento fight? Yeah, he'd be fucking dudes up. No, no, you you no. Nobody says that. Nobody's really watching for him like that. It's not even his fault. I'm just saying like, you know, damn, like this, who does this serve? It's just filler, bro. All right.
1: So. Kayo Bahalio did exactly what he was supposed to do, and he beat Abus Magomerov?
2: Yeah, I feel bad for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I You know what? I, I wasn't even so much doubting Kayo. I was more like, mm, I don't know, man. I don't want to give up on Abus yet. I saw him work in PFL, man. Dude's, dude's smooth. I saw him fight outside of there. Yeah, he, he could he could probably pull out that veteran savvy. No, nah, nah, he didn't. Mm-mm. Mm -hmm. Now,
1: Elvis Brenner, or as Zane and Connor like to call him, the Elves.
2: (laughs) The Elves.
1: The Elves won his fight. Any one knockout of the night, it was the sweetest overhand left. Poor Kanan Kraszewski did not know what hit him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, that was a one-hitter quitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to Elizu Zaleski, Capoeira, oh. or Shoeface, as I like to call him.
2: Shoeface Junior.
1: Um, he, um, that you know what? We were all on board with Arena uh, Fakratinov, and we were like, "Oh, there's no chance, man, old man." Elizu went in there, and he's a. Dog, that was mm. a great fight. It ended in a majority draw, but that was a really good fight. It was one of the few high points on this card.
2: Yes, a very very high point. You just had to stick with it. Yeah, because that comeback was unbelievable. Yes. And son of a bitch, he almost did it. Yeah, he almost got the shit. But it was still thrilling to see him try. And that was very much worth your time. If you didn't see any of these, uh, or if there's any fight that you you know you might have skipped or whatnot, please go back. And watch this one it was so worth the fucking time it was great
1: um now we didn't pick this fight but vitor petrino's check hook knockout of modestus bukowskis was gnarly Mm -hmm. so
2: uh, yeah i feel i feel so bad when you get again a guy leaves the ufc in unpleasant circumstances and makes his way back that's cool but then you know when when things don't work out for him you just feel even extra bad for him you know what i mean yeah but at least it's a loss to petrino who looks like he's going to be a future player so you know
1: indeed now i got to i got to give angie hill some snaps
0: because mm.
1: she had a clear plan Going into that third round because she needed to win that third round. And she went in with a plan and got that shit done against a rising star in Denise Gomez. um, I like seeing Angie do stuff like that. I like seeing Angie take these upstart prospects and let them know exactly where their place is with a veteran like her. And it was nice seeing her get that win. It really was. I like I, Angie a lot, so it was cool. I, and I'm a big fan of Denise Gomez too. But um I'm I'm super happy, even though I picked Denise, I'm super happy to see Angie get that win.
2: I know we've discussed this before, but there's something where people they they assume that the term gatekeeper is a pejorative. Whereas I tend to think it's actually not the worst thing you can beat. That's funny. and in this case, you got a, uh, yeah. an established veteran going out there and beating the brakes, giving these, these, these young whippersnappers a reality check. Um, that's actually a necessary thing in every division. You know, this is not somebody who's necessarily gatekeeping the top five, but that's okay. I'm happy to see her go in there and give some people a reality check. Hey, I'm not done. Number one and number two, Hey, uh, some of these other uh, opponents they they are not ready for this game. they ain't ready for me, so uh and also come on we we love angela hill she's she's how could you not? she's great.
1: then we get to um we didn't pick this fight either, but we're gonna we're gonna discuss it, and that's Eduardo Maura getting that ground and pound finish mm. over Montserrat canejo Ruiz. listen. I don't think that the term weight bully should be thrown around casually, but in Eduarda Maura's uh, instance, she's a weight bully. First of all, she came into the fight. She'd missed weight by three and a half pounds, but um, Montserrat decided, okay, I'll fight her anyways. Probably took 20, 30% of her purse. But, you know, when you're taking 20% of, you know, virtually nothing... you know but anyways Mm. i digress eduardo mauer definitely needs to not be fighting at straw weight she needs to be moved up to flyweight asap she is too big and it looked like and i mean the 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 size differential between them was stark
2: Yeah, I that that did seem a bit off to me. You know, I I don't know. She probably should be fighting up if that's the case. Like she her celebration and everything post match like it was nice to see. And then you remember, yeah, she did come in overweight for this one. I mean, what does that exactly say? I don't know Um, if she can't stay closer to fight weight, if she can't cut safely, if she can't meet that commitment, then she should absolutely move up.
1: And then uh, we we discussed this fight, well, but we did not pick it. But we did discuss this a little bit. And that was the curtain jerker, Mark Diacchisi, opening the card. And while he got the win, it was another grueling split decision to a guy no one knows who he is, uh, Kawe Fernandez. And Mark Diacchisi has been in the UFC so long that Guys like Kawhi Fernandez should not be getting splits against him. Mm. I mean, Diakizi is struggling against these no-name ham and eggers. These are soup cans.
2: I mean, I kind of looked at it as the UFC thinking they could have a younger up-and-comer off the local scene come in there and take on an older guy that they might not have too much faith in. and And that... I, if you can barely accomplish that task, it's not a good look, you know, like I'm happy he got the win in a way, but it's, what does this mean? What does this portend for his future? It don't look good.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, he's still getting the wins, but you know, we've seen the UFC cut people coming off a win already this year. And when you're putting on performances like that, that are just a hard watch, in, in addition to just barely scraping by prospects, you know, the UFC won't look kindly on that when he ends up losing to one of these prospects. So I don't know. I just think that Diakizi is struggling. Anywho, it's time. Oh, before I forget, because I always forget this standings. Okay, Mookie and I went a perfect 2 and 0. Now we picked four fights but two of our fights fell off, the Pichelle Bonfim fight and the um Rodolfo Vieira fight fell off, so all we had left was um Almeida versus Lewis and Bojalio versus what's his face. And guess who Victor picked?
2: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, do it, do it. He do picked it.
1: Derek Lewis and um Magomed so uh, yeah, Victor went 0 and 2, and mm-hmm. Mookie and I went 2 and 0, so Mookie is 106, 63 and 2. Victor is behind him at 94, 75, and two. And I am closing the gap between Victor and I. I am at 92, 77, and two. Just two behind Victor. Now we get into UFC 295. And as Victor alluded to earlier, it's a good card. Now, there are some fights on the undercard where um, one side of the fight, I don't know who they are. Uh, specifically it's two two fights i believe um but anyways we are gonna take a look at five fights from the main card but listen there are some good ones in here still but i don't know who dennis buzushka is and i who is the other one that i didn't know who they were steve erkig that was the other one but other than that, I pretty much know every single person on this card. Oh, no, Kevin Borges. That was the other one. I don't know who Kevin Borges is. So, anyways, it's a good card. We have two title fights on it. We're going to look at five fights from the main card. We're going to look at the uh, all of the main card, actually. It looks like uh, this card is only 12 fights deep. So, anyways, we are going to start with Matt, the Steam Frivola taking on Benoit Saint-Denis. Victor, I'm going to let you take it away.
2: I'm going to go with Saint-Denis on this. Uh, Frivola has a nice pace. He definitely has power with his striking. His boxing is pretty good. His wrestling is way, way better than a lot of dudes. I think it's going to depend largely on how Sandini deals with his wrestling, but I think he's able to manage that. And I think he presents plenty of challenges standing as well as a submission threat. So I'm going to go with him.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to go with um, Matt, the steam steamroller, Fravola.
2: It's fun to say. I know. I, I love, love
1: it. It. And he's such a nice guy, too. He I, is. I really yeah. dig him a lot. Um, and, he, and he's from New York. <laughs> Now, the thing about Matt, the steam roll for Vola, is he's, there's two things. He's got a terrific chin. Terrific. Um, yes, I know Terrence McKinney caught, caught him that one time, but, I mean, that was seven seconds into the very first round. Anyways, mm. um, he's got a terrific chin, though. Uh, and he's got insane power. Insane. I mean, the way he finished Drew Dober, that right hook just put him down. And then, you know, he chases him down and pounds him out. But that was insane. The way he finished Otman Azatar, another nasty hook. Tenaro Valdez, ditto. I don't know. I I just feel like... um, Frivola gets overlooked a little bit, and I don't know, I th- I think he'll be fine in there. So I'm going to take Matt Frivola, the steamroller, and Mookie is as well. So we get to the next fight. Hang on, let me get back over here. Pat Sabatini versus Diego Lopez. Now, Diego Lopez looks so good. Even though he lost, he looked so, so good against Movsar Ivloev, and then he comes back and he wins against Gavin Tucker. So, you know, Pat Sabatini's got great boxing and everything, but man, Diego Lopez is looking pretty prime right now too. So this one has me on the fence a little.
2: Mm, I'm not. I believe in Pat Sabatini primarily because of his wrestling more so than his striking, but that's not to say that there isn't anything to like about his striking especially how he sets everything up to mm-hmm. accommodate his wrestling and to continue to bully people in the clinch so i really look at this in some fashion as you know lopez presenting a very um a very good set of threats yet sabatini should be able to handle that i don't think there's anything that lopez can throw at him that he either hasn't seen or can't prepare for
1: and um <laughs> i was talking about uh, i don't know why i said um sabatini striking i was referring to lopez but anyway um yeah sabatini is clearly the uh, ground guy but you know what you know how i'm always going on about damon jackson being such a great grappler damon mm. jackson got in there and um beat sabatini
2: yeah there's there's different just, there's different just one ways fight
1: back just yeah. one fight back
2: yeah there's just there's different ways around it you know he damon also grew up wrestling he found the remedy to deal with sabatini's pressure and and the way he turns corners and stuff like that and denied him entries i don't know that lopez has that same kind of preparation handy that's my thing
1: i'm gonna take lopez
2: no that's cool
1: i am i'm gonna i'm gonna live a little and i'm gonna take lopez i i can't help it um Yeah, I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm going to do it. I got a feeling. All right. So next up, we get to uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Jessica Andrade. And it's going to break my heart to pick Mackenzie Dern. Not because I don't like Mackenzie Dern because I do. I think she's great. It's because Jessica Andrade has been my favorite female fighter for years. Everyone knows that, but she has fallen off tremendously and going up against a grappler. She's all but guaranteed getting finished. So, yeah, I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern, and I'm going to hate every second of it.
2: Here's the thing, man. You look at Andrade's trajectory, her last three losses have all been finishes. Now she's going to be, again, 115. I don't know if returning to that division has led to some of the problems that she's been having as of late. I don't know if she's just been figured out. Mackenzie Dern has been looking great. She moved over to Fight Ready in Arizona, training with Cejudo uh that that can't be a bad thing i yeah i i love jessica man i just can't pick her here i just can't trust her i'm sorry that's just what it's gonna be so i'm gonna go with dern
1: all right so we're gonna get to the co-main event now oh and mookie is also taking Mackenzie dern i need to put that out there and mookie is also taking pat sabatini my man and he is taking matt frivola All right, co-main event time, and this is for the interim heavyweight championship, and it's actually a good fight between two two of our younger guys. We have Sergei Pavlovich in against Tom Aspinall. Now, I am taking Pavlovich, um, and the reason why is because I feel like people sleep on him a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I want to read some names to you. Curtis Blades, Ty Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, Shamil Abderrahimov. I mean, those are his last four wins. I could go back to Maurice Green and Marcelo Golm if you like.
2: No, I don't do that.
1: But these last four are important names. Curtis Blades, Ty Tuivasa. Derek Lewis and Shamil Abderrahimov. Now, here is the only thing that gives me pause about young Sergey is that he's never, ever been out of the first round. Ever. Even the one single loss he has, which was to the great Alistair Overeem way back in 2018... Even that was in the first round. He has literally never been out of the first round. That is the only thing that gives me pause about him is I have no idea what his cardio is like. None. None. Mm. And then we are going to go through some names again. For Tom Aspinall, we have Marcin Tybura. He lost to Curtis Blades uh, via knee injury, but Curtis Blades was kind of sp- lighting him up right before that. Uh, he has the win over Alexander Volkov. That's a great win to have. Volkov looks amazing these days, so that's a really good win. He has a win over Sergey Spivak. That's an okay win. That's I would call that decent, not great, yeah. but definitely a decent win. All right. Uh, and then we're talking Andre Arlovsky and Alan Baudot. Okay. So, this is why I'm taking Sergey Pavlovich. I like Tom Aspinall a lot. I know he has a one hitter quitter, but Sergey's might be bigger. So hmm. I am taking Sergey Pavlovich. I'm I'm not sure who's gonna win, but I'm leaning more to Pavlovich. Mookie is taking Tom Aspinall.
2: I'm going to go with Pavlovich. I feel like he's got more power. He's got the composure. He's uh, got a bit of a tank style. Uh, He can counter wrestling. And Espinel has a lot of great things about him. I just don't know that stylistically this is going to be something that he's going to be able to manage. I'm just not – I don't know. I just i am getting vibes, man. This ain't no real uh, super deep analysis being done. Just pure vibes.
1: Yeah. I've got those same vibes as well, but I just think that, um, I don't know. I feel like Sergey might be a little better than Tom Aspinall at this point. All right. We get to the main event. Yuri Prohaska is coming back and he's taking on Alex Pereira. Whew. Man, what a fight between two guys that don't know how to put on a fight that is not Fireworks Incorporated. They also are very limited on their defensive structure. I mean, porous does not even begin to describe either one of these guys. I mean, just look at Yuri's fight with Vulcan Uzdemir. He came very close to losing that fight because he let Vulcan Uzdemir tee off on him. I mean, he was staggered. Was just. Man, that fight came really close. And then, you know, of course, he finishes Vulcan. No problem. But up to that point, he was taken he was taking quite a licking. Now, then we get over to Alex Pereira. I mean, defense is not his, his wheelhouse. Come on. This is basically two guys that are going to go in there and swing and bang until one of them is on the floor. Um, hmm. I, I've been on the fence so much with this because they both also have starch your collar power too. But I think Yuri's is probably bigger. So I'm going to tentatively pick Yuri Prohauska here, but I would not be surprised if Alex Pereira got it done, and it will not go to um, the the scorecards. I think this is definitely going to finish inside the distance. Uh, Mookie is also taking Yuri Prohaska.
2: I'm also taking Yuri. <laughs> uh, I I think that Alex has, you know, for all of his abilities and skills. I, I, I how do you count out Yuri? It's kind of hard to because he's insane, right? And it's not this isn't the smartest pick, obviously. But Jesus Christ, like, what are you supposed to do in a case like this? You know what I mean? mm, Nah, I I think he takes it.
1: All right. So that's going to wrap up our UFC 295 picks and the regular portion of the show if you are a substack subscriber stick around the bonus portion is up next and we're going to go into some headlines for those of you that are subscribed thank you so very much folks that aren't now's your chance to access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber to do that go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-A-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.